Transform the way you hunt with the all-new Bay Cellular Trail Camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast with your hosts, Nate, Micah, and Andy. What this up? episode. Well, Micah's just. I'm. We're dude, at I it. am. No lube. Stoked. Straight in. <laughs> just hammering it. Dude. I was excited before I got here. I'm more so excited now. We stopped recording with our guest, what, half an hour ago? Yeah. We have literally just not stopped talking Recap about it. the whole thing. Yeah, about it the whole time. So who do we have on this week? The man, the myth, the legend. The big Al Morse with Fox Pro. So if you've ever looked up YouTube or anything, more than likely you've seen Big Al kill some coyotes. Yes. If you're a coyote hunter, you've seen it. One of my favorite ones, uh, he was killed coyotes in a Santa Claus outfit <laughs> in Arizona, I believe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I've seen that one. So what I like about Al, and, you know, we're basically best friends now because we've met. (laughs) So um, is the guy you think he is on TV, he is. Right. He, like, we talked about it last week. We met him up at ATA and one of the most genuinely nice guys you will ever meet. And, I mean, you can tell, even watching his stuff, you can just, he's like, man, that seems like a nice guy. Yep, he is a nice guy. And he likes to to enjoy himself. Right. Some people put on front when you're filming a video for YouTube or whatever at the, but you got, we've seen him on multiple different facets, whether it's YouTube videos, you guys met him in person, we've had him on the podcast, on air, off air, consistent, same dude, real as me. Like me. If I were on TV, I'd turn into a different person, because I don't want to be on it. (laughs) So I'm just like. And there's a camera in my face, <laughs> yeah. you but, know, and that's not me. No. But no, this and this episode is packed full of information. Dude, so I feel like he dropped some dimes. This you're going to get out your notepad. Yeah. yeah, get out your notepad. Grab your pen. Pull your truck over. You're going to want to write some stuff down because there is a lot of good information on this one. I'm not going to tell people to pull the trucks over because I don't want them blaming us when they get are late to work. I could care less. That's a them problem. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like, like a you we're, problem. We're trying to help them kill coyotes. Right. Uh, no, not we. Big Al. Big Al. Yeah, Big Al is. Big Al is dropping bombs. What's What's awesome is at the end of the show, we're like, well, he's like, y'all got any more questions? Well. And we're like, well, we do. He's like, well, ask them. Yep. <laughs> and they get, we could have kept going for days. That wind question, I'm really glad I ended up asking that dude. Because I was yeah, like, you know line. what? He's talked enough. We don't want him. I don't want to keep his. We almost him. didn't ask it. It's the last question of the podcast. I think you'll be shocked by his answer. Yep. Talking about wind. I was. Yeah. Yep. I was. But it makes sense. It makes complete sense, especially after some of the stuff we've noticed the past few nights. Then you look back on some of your failed stands, I guess you'd call them. Yep. Over time, and you're happened? just like, duh. Yep. So that being said, 
Let's uh, let's jump into sponsors. Give some credits where credits are due and get into this thing. Let's let's do credits where credits are due. Midwest Gunworks. Let's just start with them. I just recently received my new gun that I got through Midwest Gunworks. I went with a Howa M1500. No, M1200. Sorry. No, 15. 15. Yeah, M1500, 22250. And I went with a Mod X uh, aftermarket stock. Nice chassis on it. Yeah, chassis. So it's sweet. I'm just waiting for my glass to get here. Pretty light? Super light. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. You know, my glass should be here any day now. So You uh, copied off me. And got yourself an Aries, I see. I did. I did. And I, t- uh, I was debating <laughs> hey, it. Hold on. Use the M- code MWW5 for 5% off. Yeah. Because on top of that gun, you're putting a Athlon. <laughs> I went with the Athlon Aries 3x18 in MOA. So the only reason I was debating on going with the Midas, like uh, Midas Tag. Yeah, yep. the, Midas the Midas Tag. Just because of the reticle that yes. they use. Love it. But I really. the. You know, you're stepping up a little bit in your glass yes. when you go to the Aries. So I was like, you know what? I want this thing to be a tack driver. I want to be able to clear, crystal clear. So I'm going to go Aries. Dude, I mean, you both now have, you know, some of their, I would say that's all high quality, but we'll call it lower end yeah. of their spectrum. Budget it's friendly. All, love it. Dude, I, I some of my favorite scopes I've had. I got the Midas tack, which is like mid-road, maybe upper epsilon. Above average, you'll Above say. Above average. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yep. And you're talking about the, the different reticles they offer. First focal plane, second focal plane. Dude, I I love Athlon as a company. At I'm, ATA, I'm, I'm I, looked, in. I looked through on the Kronos while we were there. Mm. Holy shit. I should have, but I didn't. Now, I don't have a Kronos, and I don't want one right now because of the mags that they offer, uh, the base mags and, and the different. Right. That's why I'm with the Aries. Yep. But if if the Kronos ever shows up in a, you know, 3x18, 4x whatever, well, those are pretty freaking sweet. You know what I say is probably their best quality product for their price they offer? Don't the know. Midas Mile Range Finder. Oh, yeah. I know joke. So my old range finder I had past 380, it was touch and go if I could right. get, get something, right? Sames. I ranged a tree at 1,015 yards the other day. Like, no, just, boop, oh, 1,015. I was like, holy, that's no way. Like, I'm, I'm doing something. I just kept, like, ranging things around it. I was over 1,000 yards, no problem, which obviously it's called mile-long range finder. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's basically how far I could see. I could If I could see it, I could range it. That's, you know what else I like impressive. about those range finders? They weigh nothing. Light. They are super light. They're light. You, you can adjust the brightness yep. of your background. There's a super adjustable. There's a golf mode. There's a deer mode. Which is, I don't like because golf is gay. (laughs) (laughs) Golf is fun. Golf is fun, and there's purposes for it. Shut up, Nate. Man, sports ball. (laughs) But, yeah, athlonoptics.com. Check them out. If you need to get a hold of a dealer, we like to use our buddy Jesse uh, Bogger. Bogger? Bunger. 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 <laughs> Bunger. Jesse Bunger. Jesse Bunger with the explicit outdoors. So if you up. guys are in our area, uh, get a hold of us and we can get you a hold, a hold of him. Uh, when you're out coyote hunting, uh, Al talks about it in the show. You're going to want to get on your Onyx. Yes. Yeah, he, he mentions Onyx quite a few he times. He uses it quite a bit. And we are the same. We've been on it. We were on it today together thinking about, you know, different coyote hunting scenarios and 
hey, probably shouldn't hit this spot this time just because of the wind, blah, blah, blah. So it's something we use on the daily. So use the code MWW20 for 20% off. Make sure you do that online. Can't do it through the app. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, I learned something about uh, subscriptions. I, I, I especially like um, these types of apps, uh, mapping apps. You can't pay. If you ever notice, like, you can't pay or change anything on the app. You have to do it online. Mm-hmm. I guess there's some law or something really? where they, you're not, they're not allowed to do it. So that's why you got to go to onxmaps.com, use our code MWW20 when you're renewing or getting a new membership. Simple to do. Do it. What's next? What do you want to go to next? River's River. Edge tree yep. stands. Oh, same. Yeah. yeah Look yeah, at yeah. you guys. It must be. River's Edge tree stands. Use the code Missouri10 for 10%. And I'm assuming this is still good. You know, we haven't finalized that. But try that code out. If that doesn't work. Sorry. <laughs> you plus get, free shipping. Yeah, 10% plus free shipping, which, you know. Which is shipping, really more like 20%. Is, yeah, shipping a stand can get expensive, so save yourself some dollars. Yeah, check them out, River's Edge, Tree Stands. Cutty back. Use our, actually, that code's probably no good anymore because it's got 22 in it. So check out their stuff. We like their new. Um, new tracker. Tracks. Tracks. I, I'm, I have a hard time remembering that for some reason, but it's a standalone cell cam yeah. instead yeah. of the Cutty Link system, which it's going to send you those high quality pictures. So, yeah. you know, yeah. something to think about if you're looking for just a that. solo. Yeah, and it's yeah. tiny. It's tiny, man. Yeah. Easy yeah. pack in and out. I think a lot of people, I was talking to somebody at work, they want to know how to better secure. Um, they had a shed and a remote property, kept some tractors, different things in. They're like, man, I got padlocks on this. I got this. Like, what else can I do? And, like, we don't have any internet out there, so I can't have cameras. I said, do you have cell service? Yeah. I said, you need to go check out Cuddyback and look at their cell cameras. I said, and he goes, I said, how many entrances to the place you have? Well, there's a couple. You could use their Cuddy Link system mm-hmm. and set that up. I said. You can also put them in surveillance mode. Yep. Right. Yep. And you can get the, is it the black flash or whatever? Yep. And so they're not going to see any type of light, yep. any type of visible. Yeah, because it doesn't, act, it, the, the the lights don't turn red either. Right. With the black flash. Nothing happens, right? So you're not going to notice that to you at least. Sure. So yeah, so, check I mean, them out. Multiple uses other than just hunting. Right now, I know everybody's kind of deer. You know, every hunting season for the most part, deer season wise, has died down. A lot of people don't go back to the properties for a while. Yeah, I'm. I There's need to go a multiple take mine use down. factor there. Yep. I usually go take mine down right about now. No. I'm uh, waiting for the antlers to drop, and then I'm going to go. Dude, get you mine. had a picture the other day. I did with 312 bucks in the same picture. Nice. I sent it to you. You saw it. Yeah. Did I? Yeah, he sent it to both of us. It was it was legit. There was literally I think six. Six bucks. Two of my shooters You're in there. Up. Yeah. It was pretty sweet. All together. Huh. Yeah. All I'm the, sure I've seen it. Yeah. I've you slept did. since then. <laughs> so uh Lucky Buck. That's one thing that I always like to put one of my cameras over. Lucky you buck. know, Lucky Buck, it's awesome stuff. The deer love it. Uh, I've gotten pictures of them today. We need to get the freak it. factor. I do. Factor. I want to. I want to start doing some feed that way. Yeah. I that the bucks drop the antlers close or yep. drop the antler. Yeah, drop the antlers. We need to get Dave on again and a, have him explain Freak yep. Factor, and because uh, I know the basics about it, but I'm and not I think the creator. It's important right now to get something to them. Um, I've seen a deal. You know the the pregnant does the fawns are starting to take shape, take form. 
keep those does healthy, have healthy fawns, healthy herds. It's gonna, so just it's because gonna it, just because it's not you know antler growing season doesn't mean you can't benefit your herd. Nope. Yep. So check them out, LuckyBuckMineral.com. Black Ovis. Use code MWW10 for 10%. We got we, to meet our contact at Black Ovis. I did yeah, for about he, two seconds. Yeah, he was running away. I never even get to see him. I think I was in well, the you bathroom know, or something like what's that. What's funny is, because I don't know what Marcus looks like. Right. I didn't before now. And I actually saw the guy behind him, and he was wearing a Black Ovis, uh, the same Black Ovis sweater, coat. <laughs> thing that i had on or whatever <laughs> and i look and then i looked at his name and i'm like oh are you and he's like and i saw his name and it wasn't marcus and yeah. then the guy in front of him turns around i'm like that's marcus and so i got to meet him really quickly they were jetting out of town to oh, go to a shot dang. show i think and uh so yeah good people good people good over there great owners over there check out um, their base layers right now the winter's going yeah, funny guess what i wore last there. night under my hunt worth absolutely so check them out, blackovis.com, and last but not least, Camo Fire. Deals of the gonna, day. I'm not going to talk about pooping. I'm not going to talk you about pooping. You just did, so good oh, job. Oh, there yeah. it is. Okay. But uh, deals of the day, hot hot takes. Uh, check them out, and uh, there's always Dude, something you need on there. Don't get on there. Why? I haven't done it in a few weeks. Because it won't be relevant by the time they hear it. I know, but it could be back around. You never know. You, haven't, some pooped, of the awesome you haven't pooped in a few weeks? By the no, time. I haven't done this on oh. our show in a few weeks. Nah, I guess that's true. Gosh. Have I pooped in a few? Well, we got tree stands, tree stands, hangers. Uh, looks like tree stand stuff today, man. Tree hangers, tree hangers. What is today? Wednesday. Uh, yep. Tree stand Wednesday. I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> that's not a thing. It's all stuff it's that has to do now. with tree stands. Yeah, I mean, so far. sticks, stands, hangers, Trail harnesses. Tuesday. It's a thing. What's that? Scale. Oh yeah, digital scale. scale. All kinds of stuff, man. That there it is. That's the thing I talked about. That I bought years ago, rope? that Hawk pull-up rope. That's exactly what I used to pull all my for stuff. For $4.99. Literally got the saddle on there. Probably cost me a lot off. less. Yeah. 17% off, 40% off. Ooh, it just is that keeps a saddle? Going. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. All right. There it is. Did you know Chuck Norris was a – he appeared in the Mortal Kombat game on Sega? Oh, God. F this joke already. Already. Did he really? Yeah. But he was removed because every button that you pushed, it just made him roundhouse kick him to the face and die instantly. They asked him, like, why is that? Why is the glitch like that? And he's like, that's not no glitch. <laughs> it's not a glitch. Sub-Zero. So he did, in fact, beat the shit out of Sub-Zero. No, yeah. it's a joke. Some some jackass just made it up. So is Sub-Zero. He's Sub-Zero. a joke. Him up. That's why he's not on the show because I, he couldn't even make it past up. The joke actually says Street Fighter Two, but you I, did. I put, <laughs> but I put Mortal Kombat in there because is, is Street Fighter the one where they're like Ooga? I think so. Yeah, I don't know. It's been a while since I played it, but yeah. So. Is it on Nintendo or Sega yeah. Street Fighter? Yeah, it is. So my sons have been playing. <laughs> have they? We have an old school Sega. Nice, and they like playing that Street Fighter game. It's got to do with like the flame fists, I think. It's a pretty cool show, to be honest with you, or game. It was a decent movie, too. Street Fighter has a movie? I'm just going to yeah. be honest with you guys. No idea what we're talking no about. No idea. I give two shits about it. You're keeping our listeners from Big Al Morris. Yep, that's true. This is Let's a good one. get into our show today with Big Al Morris. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. 
Okay, with us tonight, we've got Big Al Morris with Fox Pro. Al, what's going on, man? How are you guys doing? How's Nate, Mike, and Andrew doing? Doing good. Doing pretty darn good right now. Excellent. Excellent. Excited to have you on. Met you boys out at the ATA, and here we are. We're already talking. I like that. Meet somebody, and then they don't waste any time. Men of action. I kind of get it. I like it. Yep. (laughs) You got to strike while the iron's hot, right? We we met uh, Al at ATA. Like we said, he was probably the – Actually, he was the maybe the very first person we met. Yeah. That we said, and we're like, oh, my gosh, that's Al Morris. <laughs> so. And uh, he handed us one of his cards, and we're like, you ever want to do a show with us? And he said, sure. Absolutely. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't pussyfoot around because I probably would have lost the card and then not known how to get a hold of you. So. No, I had yours. You boys are in trouble now. I got phone numbers. Hey, that's that okay. Is, yeah. that's you call okay us, us anytime. Uh, you know, call us anytime you want to come hunt with us in Missouri. Show us what's up. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. You want to teach us something, you are more than welcome to come hunt our ground with us. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys have a color phase I have never killed. You have black coyotes. Yes, we I do. know they live there. Yep. yep. Yes, yep. we do. So, my, I kind of want one of those. Yep. My uh, my brother, he's got a little piece of ground, and we got a trapping buddy. He's trapped two of them off of my brother's property once. That, it's been a few years, but they're around. Yeah. I saw a glimpse of one. Right off, right by where uh, I hunt deer at. Yep. But it was, it was a quick enough glimpse that I wasn't positive it was a coyote compared to a black sable German Shepherd. You know what I'm saying? We had yeah. it. So yeah. it's it's actually was a section by my house. We hunted that area for him all last year. Never, never, of course, seen him while we were hunting. We always seen him driving. Uh, Never got him, and we have not seen him again this year. So we don't know what happened to him, where he went. Wow. But uh, he was there all last year, and yet to be seen this year. Yeah, yeah, that's well, that's. I that hunted game. elk with the Zerwig brothers, and they're from Missouri originally. And then Randy Zerwig, who had the tag in Wyoming, he moved to uh, Georgia, and he's showing me all these pictures of coyotes he's trapped in Missouri and Georgia, and they're black as the ace of spades. And I'm like. I hate you. We can no longer be friends. <laughs> so that's I just want a black coyote. That's something I learned. I did not know there weren't black uh coyotes out west. There are not. That's what no, they, that's what Al's saying. Really? Yeah. No, there there there's no mel I mean there's melanistic coyotes out west, but they're just not black. You you've got to get back to the Midwest to see really? pure black coyotes. We have the, you know, the albinos, the 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 white coyotes, you know, we get a lot of those colors, mm-hmm. and we get some reds, we get some yellows, we get the, you know, of course, the regular gray and browns and all that. And I have shot some dark coyotes, dark legs, stuff like that. But man, when I see those black black coyotes with the big blaze, white chest, you know, it's like, oh, that is sick and wrong. Did you happen to so, see that? Uh black bobcat that was killed in like i think it was south carolina or something like that a couple weeks ago black or was he just dark dark melanistic i've seen a dark melanistic cat. maybe it was just melanistic you could still see the spots right on the the cat yeah but it was really like no it was the darkest one i've ever seen Yeah. yeah 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 no that's just you know that one in a million yep for those bobcats in particular yeah so uh, before we – we're four minutes into it and we haven't had Al introduce himself to the listeners yet. Yeah. Um, if you are a big-time coyote hunter and you're listening to our show, there's almost no chance you don't know who Al Morris is. But 
for there, those there is a chance for, for those people <laughs> who are out there why don't you introduce yourself to the listener real quick and tell us uh who you are and what you do so guys i'm just a uh, just a big kid from springville utah I, i'm 56 years old now um my claim to fame is in 1983 which was before most of you boys were born probably my dad read an article in outdoor life about a guy that took a turkey diaphragm which looks just like that one mm-hmm. there and uh he said he could call elk with him. my dad read that article his name was wayne carlton and i was 16 years old in 1983 and and uh he sent us three of these diaphragms i learned how to use them uh i used them through uh, the first thing I ever really called in with them was nine coyotes. <laughs> we went elk hunting that September. I was just fiddly farting around with a diaphragm in my mouth, and I saw uh, seven little coyotes and two adults coming right at me. And when I called them into about 25 yards, I actually started yelling at them because I got a little nervous. They were coming <laughs> to me. And uh, I said that I really thought to myself, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I just called those coyotes in. And then my buddy killed one of the biggest elk he's ever killed. And, and I, I've, you won't believe me, but I've put my knife in 793 elk now uh, that I've put my knife in because of that right there, that diaphragm. Holy smokes. But more than that, I learned I could talk to coyotes. And then in 1996, I uh, got approached by a guy who saw I had 14 pelts in the back of my truck. His name was Chopper Miller. His cousin was Garvin Young. And me and Garvin Young started in 1997 on our quest to become the only four-time world champions. The world championship was a contest. Bill Countess rules. It's important to say that. The world championship still, still exists, but it's more of a participation trophy nowadays than it was back when Bill Countess started it in 1988. He ran it all through 97. Me and Garvin joined up, and we won our first world championship the first year we entered. And that's a funny story. We don't have time to cover it right <laughs> now. But uh, we won it. I looked at Garvin. I said, we'll win this every year. And it took us 11 years to win our second one in 2007. Uh, We back-to-back that in 2008 to become the only three-time world champs. And it was really cool of December 2008. I won my third world coyote calling championship. And two months later, I won the world elk calling championship down in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. So the Elk Foundation had uh, world elk calling championships. So I became the only adult that had two different species at the same time. That's cool. You know, Dick Kirby from Quaker Boy Game Calls, he had four or five different world championships, but he never had two of them at the same time. And then I was 50 years old in 2016 when I won my fourth world championship. And, you know, then it was purchased and it was bought by a guy that was an idiot. And now another idiot's bought it. And they've, they've totally changed the rules. I think a coyote contest should be the first in with the most. If you do any weight, if you do any stupid things like that, it can be manipulated. And I'm not saying anybody would cheat, but I'm just saying the first in with the most coyotes, that'll tell you who your best coyote hunters or who planned the best to win that competition. And I don't care. I don't care. You know, if you know up front going into a competition that it's a weight contest and you know you're up against the weight. Um, it is what it is. But I've seen – we all saw what happened with walleye this summer. Oh, my gosh. Don't tell me that in a weight contest there hasn't been lead weights getting crammed down fish and coyotes and whatever's been weight needed weighed. Yeah. Men will cheat. Yep. And uh, 
I like to look people right in the eye, just like I'm looking you boys. And I've never cheated anybody to win a plaque. And if I had, I'd burn the damn house. I had a plaque hanging in. Yeah. Um, I'm really proud of those four world coyote calling championships and one world. That's the only reason I'm talking to you boys. Uh, me and Garvin Young did something I doubt nobody else can say. We we hunted together for those 21, 22 years. And that tra- that world championship was a traveling championship. It was in Elko, Nevada for two years. Williams, Arizona for two years. Cortez, Colorado for two years. It went to Berlin, New Mexico for a couple. You know, we were in uh, Holbrook, Arizona for one year. And it moved around. What I liked about two years and then moving on is uh, nobody had home field advantage. Yeah. I'm coming off of a cold. So oh, that's all right. We, uh, it's interesting to hear that too, because we like to do tournaments, mostly just local stuff, you know, in our area because <laughs> we can't travel, but, um, almost all of them, they go off number of coyotes, but then the tiebreaker is always weight. That's the next yep. thing they go to is, is so if two teams bring in eight dogs or whatever, on a day, right. you know, a one day day tournament, um, then they weigh all. The, well, they weigh the coyotes, but then they go off the total weight. The team that is heaviest would then win. And Andy actually was in a tournament two years ago where they ended up getting third place. We tied for first. You tied for first, but they ended up getting third because <laughs> of weight. Because of weight. Now I'm not accusing the, the two teams that beat them of cheating. Right. It's not, but man, it sucks when you. No. You're right there, and no, and I just. Some buddies of mine just killed 23 coyotes in an Oregon contest, but they took third. Yeah. No, they only weighed the top heaviest five coyotes. How can those guys that only killed six or seven coyotes, but they, yeah. you know, no. that's those, crazy. Those five coyotes weighed yeah. more than their five, but they killed more coyotes than had ever been killed in that tournament. But they, Don't tell yeah. me those guys that got heavier coyotes were better coyote hunters. Not a chance. Yeah, I've never, so, I've never been in a, a tournament where it's just weight. It's, it's right. usually, like I said, the tiebreaker. But that's great. Yeah, but yeah, we're doing small, you know, small no, tournaments I'm, around I'm just us. Totally against. After watching the walleye world go up, blow up, <laughs> why would you ever do anything with weight? It just nah, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but hey, you got listeners here listening to you guys because they want to get better at coyote hunting. I'm sure you guys do too. So definitely you got questions, ask away guys. So one of the things I kind of like, I just, you know, I love watching you wherever you go and, and listening to you when you're on different shows, you hunt coyotes all over the country. It's been an awesome ride guys. And you know, we actually have a a dream, I guess you'd call it. So we usually Mm -hmm. get one trip a year out of our wives and the last six years, we've been using that to go elk hunting, right? We go archery Excellent. elk hunting. That's that's our trip. But we've talked about one year, instead of going elk hunting, do like a, a two-week western coyote trip where we just go, you know, Kansas, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, wherever. Just go through the states. You guys would never regret it because now here, just a few, just before COVID, I hunted in California all the way to Vermont. Texas to Alberta, Canada. I got to hunt my way across this country. Uh, We had that, uh, uh, the American Predator Challenge, which was a three-state, we did a western leg, a midwestern leg, and an eastern leg in the eastern hunt. So I got to go hunt Indiana and and, uh, some of that country I'd never hunted before. I'd never hunted that Midwest, you know, more eastern stuff. 
other than in Pennsylvania a couple times, and I killed a few fox, but uh, yep. no. I could Andy. say, um, so Andy's dad still goes hunting with us out west, and, and my father-in-law, who are both in their mid-60s now, or late 60s, I guess, yeah. um, They their days are, they keep talking about quitting, you know, and retiring from the elk hunting. I think it's a very real possibility that we are going to do that once they say, hey, we're done. Until then, right. we want to keep making those memories with, with Roger Absolutely. and Albert. Um, no, that's why we're here, yeah. guys, is to make those memories. And I tell everybody, why wouldn't you come out west where a place like Utah, Nevada, Wyoming, 70-plus percent public land? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You right. guys own it. Yeah. Everybody owns it. doesn't matter whether they're from Missouri, New York, Florida, Utah. And the nice thing about a coyote We tag, all own it. And – uh, it's dirt cheap. You know, <laughs> in Utah, Nevada, Wyoming, Montana, there's no license requirements. You don't have to buy a thing. You just go really? coyote hunting. I like it. So Arizona, New Mexico, Idaho, um, California, um, you have to buy a license to to hunt those states. And and, uh, and Arizona is one of the funnest states because you buy that non-resident small game, you can shoot uh, – uh, bobcats, foxes, and coyotes on that license. And then for another 70 bucks or 125 bucks, you can buy a lion tag and shoot a mountain lion if you call him in. So that's an awesome deal. Ooh, that would be cool. <laughs> I'd need the tag just to know I was I'm okay. I'm pretty sure. It. <laughs> is it Wyoming right now that if uh, you can, um, with that small games tag or something, that you, you can hunt wolves as well? Uh, like they aren't, they aren't wolves anything Wolves are extra. considered outside of the park wolves are considered predators so you don't even need a license to shoot a wolf wow outside of the park so why wouldn't you old missouri boys come out west and absolutely and try your head you don't that? know you're definitely talking us into it a little more <laughs> just yeah. our arms yeah 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 but um tell- no, so i was just talking last week you know don't, don't be afraid of it with onyx with all the mapping features everybody has with these dang phones, mm-hmm. you can take that phone, download Onyx, yep. and you can know the exact place you are in the world. And more than that, if you get the subscription, it'll tell you the landowners. You can give them a call, and they might let you hunt. Yep. <coughs> so what is uh, – oh, no, you're good, man. Um, one of the biggest questions we've always had <coughs> is, you know, we, we obviously hunt coyotes in Missouri. So – we, we see how a Missouri dog works and, you know, whatever. But you've hunted coyotes all over the country and, and different, different countries also. But what have you noticed as a difference between, let's say, a dog from even like some western states, from Utah to New Mexico or Arizona? Like what, right. what, what do you see as a, a coyote, a normal coyote in the west compared to a normal coyote in the midwest compared to northeast? What, what have you, you noticed know, throughout the awesome. years? Because they're all a, we're all a product of our environment, right? You guys kind of like to hang out together, so you're friends. These coyotes are the same way. A coyote in Arizona doesn't know he's a coyote in Arizona. He's just really good at living in Arizona with the heat in the summer and not too bad in the winter. And then you get a coyote in Alberta, Canada. He's going to get cold, so he's got to figure out how to put some, you know some fat on during the summer so he can survive that minus 30 stuff that a coyote in Arizona doesn't have to worry about. And then a Missouri coyote, I was there in Missouri during that 50th anniversary that uh, Johnny Morris threw on there in uh, Springfield, Missouri. 
I likened on to froze to death. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. it was cold that weekend. I got to see all four seasons in what four days. Yeah. <laughs> I got to see snow, rain, a little bit of sunshine, and and uh, I said, "You boys in Missouri, you can get cold down there. I, I promise you." Yep. But yes. you know, Corey Groff's a good. He's our Fox Pro Field staffer there out of Missouri, yep. and Corey's a, just a wealth of knowledge for you boys on them. Missouri dogs, and I don't think I've ever killed a coyote in Missouri. I can't remember killing a coyote in Missouri. Um, not that I don't want to try, because I know there's plenty of them. What I've noticed is a coyote from Arizona or a coyote from Pennsylvania or Vermont, they're the same animal. Yeah. They really are. Now, the coyote in Arizona weighs less than the coyote in Vermont or the coyote in Kansas or Oklahoma or even Missouri. I think you guys have a little bit bigger coyotes. And I noticed that in Alabama, the coyotes were extremely vocal, where I thought the crest were somewhat vocal. But when the when I got to the Midwest, moving east, those coyotes are extremely territorial and extremely vocal. That's different than our western coyotes. I think our western coyotes are spread out, even though I know the numbers are higher in the west than, say, Missouri or, or even Vermont. Um. What I've noticed, guys, and this is I you're gonna get some buzz on this. I've started playing the same, I'm playing the same sounds 24-7-365 during the night, during the day. It does not matter. I'm playing the same sequence 365 days a year now. That's the advantage of working for the Fox Pro yeah. Corporation, is I get to travel the country and we started hunting every month of the year. And I started figuring out, I've been telling everybody for the last five years, I based the whole year of coyote hunting around one event. And that's that February 15th, the peak of the breeding season. You know, what's your whitetail rut? First week of November? Yeah, yeah second, first, second first week of November. Yep. So they say the peak of the, the coyote rut is that February 15th. But I've already seen coyotes spotting. We killed coyotes two weeks ago. Them females were already spotting, so I know they're breeding right now mm -hmm. in mid to late January. So they're about 15, 20 days ahead. Well, it's a 62-day gestation period, just like a dog. And then those pups hit the dirt. <coughs> Damn, I got this cough. Won't go away. <laughs> but anyway. You just cough away. You're fine. <laughs> I'm just telling you, boys, you base that whole year <coughs> on this one event. Mm-hmm. And then they got to raise those pups. And then they kick those pups out and grow another set of pups the following year. But you can base the whole year around that one event. So I'm playing the same sequence, but I'm switching up how long I play either the vocals or the distress or the pup distress or the fights. I, I break up that distance in time. And that's the only thing I'm changing. <laughs> that makes you've never heard anybody say that have you no no that's that's all we ever talk about is well what what sounds are working for you right now what what you know are you using female vocalization are you are you doing this are you doing that are you using prey distress, prey distress? pups whatever um so let's back up when they breed which is coming up or is happening right now <clears throat> they're extremely vocal and they're extremely territorial so you're going to get more play right now on the vocals than you will on – they've already heard all the distress, right? Right. Everybody's out playing the rabbit. Everybody's played some bird. 
So what I'm doing now is I'm going out and I, if you watch my videos over the last two years, I'm playing single lone house to start every stand. C5 Young Pup Hal, and we just joined forces with MFK. Mm -hmm. We've got the Boy MFK cooks. sound library on these Fox Pros now. Absolutely. So I found a little sound called uh, a Little B Whimper Pup Hal. And I'm just telling you, I've never met Little B. I, apparently she's still alive. <laughs> Uh, Tori's still recording her. She's a wild coyote, lives down there in Arkansas, and Tori recorded her. But I'm just telling you, I play C5 Young Pup Hal. I'll, I'll let him howl three times. I'll let Little B do her little thing there on Little B Whimper Pup Hal. And, boys, I'm killing coyotes within two minutes of turning those sounds on. Coyotes are coming to see what – coyotes are so territorial – that when they hear another coyote in their area, they got to come look. And honest to goodness, guys, I don't. I know your coyotes are hungry and they're going to eat. But when you play the rabbit distress and you don't see a coyote, I honestly think it's because they all look like me. They're all big, bulky. They're full. And they did a study in Pennsylvania. Almost 78% of coyote poop in Pennsylvania is made up of those white-tailed deer above you. Yep. So – those coyotes are eating big meals of whitetail, and they're not going to come to the rabbit. Yeah. They don't need to come to the rabbit. They've been eating deer. So I start out all year round. I'm playing two single, lone, non-aggressive howls. The most aggressive howl I do is female sore howl, which is a female howl from Frox Pro. It sounds like a male, but it was a female coyote that was just old. Yeah. So it's a deeper, more guttural howl. But I only use her about a third of the time of the year. The rest of the time, I'm trying to sound like a young coyote just in somebody else's territory. Because when those pups, six, you know, 62-day gestation period like a dog, first 13 days, eyes are closed. Next 15 days, they poke around the den. The next 30 days, they're poking outside the den. And by 90 days, they're starting to follow mom and dad and learn to be coyotes, getting into trouble. So, and then around September, mom and dad kick those pups out because they want to grow next year's batch. Mm -hmm. yep. Why do they kick them out? Because they don't want them eating food that they're going to use for that next group of pups. And that female needs to get healthy enough over that fall and winter to breed again. So they kick those pups out. Those pups are like pinballs in a pinball machine. Just bouncing around from dominant pair to dominant pair. And that's what makes October, November, December such a great time to play regular old rabbit distress. Because those pups, are look they're hungry. They're looking for some place to set up shop. But then that December, January kicks in, and they pair up. And I call it the December lulls. Um, Ernie Current from New Mexico told me there's weeks in December. You will not call a coyote because it's 60 days from her uh, popping estrus. And she'll shut down. She's, I don't know whether it's just something mentally or whether it's something physiological, but those coyotes become hard to call for about seven to 10 days. And that's always 60 days from when she's going to ovulate and come into season. Huh. And then that January, that first of January can be really good for some prey distress. And then it starts the vocalizations and vocalizations will go now till 
well, actually, vocalizations will go all the way through August, and uh, the vocalization vocalizations will change. In that, I will do shorter first howls, and then I will go right into pup distress come July, August, when those pups are getting out in trouble. All you got to do is pup distress three, pups fights, um, uh, pup screams. It doesn't matter. You sound like a pup in distress. Mom and dad are going to come to protect them. So you can kill those summertime coyotes that are eating your whitetails. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did you see that on Facebook? Everybody had that pyramid yeah. of one coyote when she, raises those, yep. when she raises those pups, how many fawns she's killing. Yep. Yep. And did you guys know that when there's a pair of fawns, let's say any of these whitetail does you've got out there where you guys like to whitetail hunt, if she has a buck fawn and a doe fawn, Guess what the odds are if a pair of coyotes run on them two fawns? 80% of the time, they will kill the buck fawn. Why? A guy in in South Dakota, they were doing that radio. Uh, it was that intrauteral device. They'd put it in the dough, and when she'd have the babies, they'd go and collar the, the fawns. Uh-huh. Twice, he collared a doe fawn and a buck fawn, and then he would sit at a half mile, three-quarters of a mile away and just watch. And he literally watched this pair of coyotes come up. They The pair of coyotes jumps the two fawns. The female coyote actually went after the female uh, fawn. The male coyote actually took off after the male fawn. And he heard that male start yipping, just some kind of high-pitched yip. Female leaves that female, uh, the doe fawn, runs over, and they killed the, the buck fawn. And he didn't really understand why they could follow that. You know, it was only three or four days into that fawn's life and they're supposed to be sent free. But that coyote managed to follow that buck fawn pretty good. The next year he did the exact same thing. He thinks it was with the same doe. Hmm. She had another set of twins, one male, one female. He sat up on them. When the doe fawn stood up in her bed, she peed out of her bed. When the buck fawn stood up in his bed, Pete in his bed, laid back down on it. He said he thinks those oh. scent-free fawns are no longer scent-free. Free. That's why they incurred in South Dakota an 80% mortality of the those things that are hanging above you, boys. Yeah. Really? So if you want to do work to help your coyote population or to help your deer population, you need to work on your coyote population because they're going to hammer your deer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And That's just the facts. It makes sense on the prey distress, too, because, like, Micah, uh, we recently got a depredation tag to be able to hunt uh, coyotes with thermals out of season in Missouri. Missouri only has a two-month um, lights and thermal season Window. right now. Yeah. And yep. um, they have a dead cow out there. You think any of those coyotes are hungry right now? There's Not a, a chance. There's I mean, a dead cow laying will, right there. Right. You know? I have watched coyotes gorge themselves on that dead cow and then they go and bury that they'll go back gorge themselves go back and bury it and hide it from other coyotes so they don't get to eat it and then they'll actually save it for when they have their pups they'll go dig up those caches that you'd think would be disgusting rotted whatever and they'll feed it to their pups they're really adept at keeping those pups alive so stay with me here two lone howls then i go into some site Usually, I will go into some kind of distress, and it can be rabbit. It can be bird. 
Um, if I'm in big whitetail country, my favorite distress has become kid goat distress. It sounds more like a fawn, a fawn. in distress. Yeah. And uh, I've had amazing success with that. This time of year, I still do about two to three minutes of a distress. But I choose a weird distress that I don't think any of the other boys in Missouri are going to run. I run a cat, a kitten distress. I'll do a pheasant distress. I'll do a turkey distress. I'll do a porcupine. We have a porcupine distress that is awesome. And I'll run it for two or three minutes. And then I, I want to create a scenario. And what I'm doing is a year. This scenario works year round in the mind of a coyote. At least it works for me. And I want you guys to put this to the test now. I want you to go out and I want you to lone howl with C5, little B, whimper, pup howl. You're right. Just howl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> three times with C5. Let little B do her little scenario and shut her down. Wait two or three minutes. Run some kind of weird distress. It might even be hog distress, little piggy, something like that. Something that you don't think anybody else is running in your area. And just let it run for a couple minutes straight and shut it down. And let it just – have you guys ever heard the term silence kills as much as sound? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've become more and more aware of that the longer we've been coyote hunting. <laughs> now, I learned that from Eddie Salter, the turkey man. Yep. I was in Texas turkey hunting with him, and he proved to me – I mean, we had, we had all these birds, and they all flew down and went the other way in Texas. And I said, we got to get up and go, don't we? He said, Big Al, sit your butt down. I'm going to call you in a turkey. <laughs> and he just knock, 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 knock. And that's a world champion caller, and he only did that. And we couldn't, they gobbled out. You couldn't even hear him gobbling anymore. And I said, We got to get up and go. And he said, Big Al, I'll let you know when it's time to move, and it ain't time. Sit your butt down. <laughs> 30 minutes later, I hear this. I could hear this big old gobbler spitting and drumming. Sure enough, he just a couple little 30, 45 minutes, not even been an hour later. He called in three toms and six hens and me, J.R. Keller and Eddie Salter shot our birds at the same time. That's awesome. He <laughs> called them back to us and he told me and taught me that silence that is out there in the wilderness. You know, it's this woodsmanship. You guys got it. I know you do. If you're elk hunting, you got to develop some woodsmanship when you hunt elk. But there is, and it's the same thing talking to elk. I've had my knife in 793 elk now, boys. And there's, you've got you to insert yourself into this world. We pretend to know a lot about it, but we're just guessing. I don't know what a coyote says. I, I just pretend to talk to him. And you insert yourself into that world and let that silence, that amount of time that you don't call, is almost as important as the amount of calling that you do. I remember. Uh, Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember definitely. he he said one time, and it always stuck with me. If a if a tom is gobbling back at you over and over, he's not moving. He's just talking. Right. When he shuts up, yes. that's when he's closing the distance. That's when he's coming to you, and that's when you got to be patient. No, so you you got to take you know these old guys like me and Eddie. You got to take what we say and and, and apply it. When you're young, you can run and gun. Them legs feel good. And now you mentioned that your your old your dads are getting old. You know, I always wondered what happened to a guy that lost the fire. You know, I, I've always thought, I will never lose that fire. Well, guess what, boys? 
as I get older, it hurts. It's not as much fun as it used to be. And damn, I ain't as mad at him as I used to be. <laughs> so sometimes a good sleep puts me in traction the next day because I can't move. I slept on something wrong. Yep. Yep. So enjoy your youth, but get out there and do it while you got that fire and that passion. And you boys have that fire and that passion to come west. Don't wait. Time waits for no man. And you got a dream. What's that song out? If you if you got a chance, take it. Take it while you got a chance. Oh, yeah. If you got a dream, chase it. Yeah. Hey, you know what? My wife is just upstairs. I'm going to call her down here. I think we need him to talk to her. <laughs> I'm going to get Al to talk to her. We get your wives over here, and he just he, he just going to sell it He'll for us. He'll convince them. Yeah. No, no. You, you, a dream won't chase you back, boys. You got to chase it. So yeah. Uh, and that's the only reason I'm sitting here talking to you is my dad read that article in 1983 about a guy took a turkey diaphragm and call an elk i realized i had a little ability with it i mean five thirds five second place finishes i called myself the utah jazz the elk callers because i couldn't win it and then i finally won it in 2009 <laughs> but now i take that diaphragm you give me that diaphragm and this fox pro with the mfk sounds on it i don't think there's a coyote out there i can't call in i really have that kind of confidence and when you develop that confidence in what you boys are doing the three of you, when you go out and do this, and these guys listening to your podcast, there's some gem information here. You go out there and you insert yourself and you just let that sound work. So we did two lone howls. We did some kind of weird distress this time of year. Nothing's happening. Then we go into the pup fights. I do little B stanky fight. I'll do uh, uh, pup 314, nutty nut pup, wigged like out pups. One. Yep. No, I will do that pup that sounds in distress and maybe fighting over. So you said there's coyotes, new coyotes in the area. Then you gave them a reason to be fighting over something. You gave them a sound that they may have never heard. They don't know what it is. There's no porcupines or there may not be any pigs in your area, but all of a sudden you play that. And then all of a sudden there's coyotes fighting over it. And then you can play that pound town. You go into that MFK Pound Town. You go into the Den Mayhem from Fox Pro's library. And then those coyotes are fighting over it. And then MFK has hooked up breeding pair. Man, they got uh, they got so many. Let me grab this remote right here. That's the thing I like about this is there's no secrets in this world. Guys can come on YouTube. Guys can listen to this. But if you look at this TX-1000 remote, I don't know if you can Those see Those remotes that. are sweet. Yep. Okay, it's just it's, a white screen it's for just, us. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. No. I see your favorites at the top. But. Yeah. Um, let me go back here and see if I can get a different display. Um, display. Let's go to brightness, keypad. Let's go to th – oh, back. You are talking about that porcupine call. Back – it was on Thanksgiving morning. Uh, my cousin and I called in a bobcat to the porcupine. And we, nice. don't have, and we don't have, we don't have porcupines yeah. in Missouri. Yeah. No, no you don't. Can you see that better? Yeah, Maybe a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah, yep. there we go. Yep. So let's go back here. And that's – I hit my favorites list. So that's my howls right there. You up, three, two, four. See, down, those are all the yep, yep. howls. And then I can go up. Those are all my uh, distresses right there that I like. So okay. And they're backwards to you. Yeah, I apologize for that. Oh, but anyway, right here, yeah. um, I wanted to go right here. I go up to my MFK fight sounds, and that's what it is, fights breeding sounds, and I go up, how yeah, fight. It's how yeah, fight, and 24-bit. 
And that's the other thing, guys. You can see that X24 right there. Yep. That's my X24 playing 24-bit sound. I'm just telling you, and you you guys saw what was coming. We probably shouldn't even talk about the X48. Yeah, I might have already said something really <laughs> on a different podcast. <laughs> the X48, is this is the best color I've ever powered on. It's made in America by hardworking Americans. The X48 is going to play two 24-bit sounds at the same time and have all the Fox features. Fox Pitch, Fox Motion, <laughs> Box Fusion. I mean, it's just going to be amazing. And the the remote, if you can talk about it, is what is really exciting because it's going to have a scale it's right have here. A freaking scale. Way the yeah. coyotes. No, I, dude, that X. It's going to be special. Yeah. But um, how? Yeah, fight. Oh, I was going to go through those real quick. Um, but anyway, so you did Lone House. You did Weird Distress. You did Pup fights or pup distress mm-hmm. then you do the major fights the the food fights um the den mayhems the really kicking ass stuff and then you always end with pup screams or pup distress three <clears throat> why do coyotes want to come to the call they're hungry they're territorial they're going to breed and they're curious and they will fight to the death over territory and keeping that, you know, they're so territorial. Um, It really is the reasons. And I like to fire on one cylinder, but I know two cylinders is better, right? Three cylinders is going to get it done. And if you can fire on all four, why wouldn't you fire on all four cylinders on these stands? So honestly, guys, I figured out that if I can fire on those four cylinders year round, I'm going to call more coyotes. And I hope that makes more sense. Yeah, about what I was talking about. Well, and I think no, I think that'll make sense too to the listener because I know I do. So I like to call. Andy likes to call. Micah calls. He just doesn't have any. I like to shoot. I'd yeah. rather shoot than call. But <laughs> what I've noticed is I and, Andy and I both do this, and I guarantee you, a lot of our listeners do. If if we have a couple sets where we're unsuccessful, we start questioning what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I must be. I must not be calling right right now. What do? And that's when I start getting myself into trouble. Is when I start right. saying, "I don't know what I'm doing. I better change it." Or I'm too loud. Or I'm too soft. Mm-hmm. Or did I go far enough between stands? Look, I, I get the questions all the time, guys. And the thing to remember is that sound will only travel as far as that volume lets it. So if you keep that volume down to 30 or below, it's going to go a mile, mile and a half. In dense hardwoods, it's going to go three-quarters of a mile for sure. And then you need to move at least that distance before you call again. But some guys don't have that much country to call. So if I only had small little acreages to call, I would call soft. And I mean, when I'm talking soft, 12, 15, max, I'd call that three or 400 yards and I'd move that three or 400 yards and call it again. Um, if, if this is a map and say, this is a mile and this is a mile and this is a mile. And I know if I put that X 24 up here, it's going to go to a mile and a half. Do I really want to call coyotes from a mile and a half away? I don't think so. I'm going to call, I'm going to knock my calling down. I just want to call this basin and then I'll drive to the next basin and call this basin. I'll drive to the next basin. Or it might be woodlots. You might only be able to hunt this cornfield, this woodlot, and the following cornfield. 
So I get the wind right, kind of in my face or a good crosswind, and I'll go in there and I'll call. I'll start out the first time I hit them. I'll hit them soft, and I'll only. I won't do the. I won't throw the kitchen sink at them. I might just play squirrel distress. The next time I might play it a little louder, but I might only play ranting redbird or nutty nuthatch or lucky bird. And then the next time I'll hit him. <clears throat> and then it depends on time of year. But there are those special times of year when they have pups, when they're feeding pups, when they're breeding, when they're paired up in December, they will defend in those territories. So then I introduce the howls more. But what I found out is if I just do a lone howl, sometimes just C5 by himself, then I play a little rabbit or a little bird. Then I play a little pups 314, a little nutty nut pup. Bam, I'm killing, I'm putting fur in the back of the truck or I'm putting fur on video. And if you start watching my videos, everybody, <clears throat> particularly out west or Nebraska, some of that country, they go out and play the rabbit distress or they play the hand calls. And they shoot coyotes with a shotgun, and they think they're heroes. But I don't see them. I don't see a bunch of those guys. When it's when it's easy, it looks easy. Right. But when it's hard, you don't see those guys killing a lot of coyotes. You have to really rely on the vocals. And those guys don't travel. You don't see them hunting, but anywhere but the cherry spots. Um, we got to hunt 24-7, 365, and it doesn't always cherry. You've got to go work for them. You got to bring them out of that hardwood. You got to get them. The number one thing I get when I hunt Alabama to up to Michigan. How do you get those coyotes? I can hear them. I got my. I got the latest thermals. Hopefully, you didn't pay eighteen grand for the latest thermal. But not <laughs> yet. Twelve eighty. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, not yet. But um, they can hear the coyotes howling back, but they can't get them to come out. How do you make them come out? You don't make them do anything. You convince them to come take a look, and that's all you're trying to do. So I make sure the wind's right. I make sure they're not going to come out and smell me. Then I'm going to try and play that scenario. I'm telling them I'm a new coyote out in that field, maybe 100 yards from them, maybe 200 yards from them, maybe 50 yards. I'll play with that distance where I put the X-24 from that woodlot, and then I will start out with that lone howl. Then I'll play some weird distress. I might play prairie dog distress in Michigan. How many prairie dogs are in Michigan? Right. Zero. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be an endemic species. And when I'm out west, I'll play the lone howl. I'll start playing the rabbit, but guess what else I'm playing? Magpie distress. You guys don't have magpies nope. out there Missouri, do you? I, I don't think, think so. you have so, magpies there. I'm not sure, I'm not sure what nope. a magpie is. It's some so. sort of a bird. Is it's, it? Is it a bird? It's a black and white corvid. It's a lot like a crow. It's a lot like a raven. It eats meat. And not oh. every coyote has a magpie. Or not every magpie that, has a coyote, but every coyote has a magpie that follows him around and <laughs> is that picks the, up the straps. Is that the same thing they call a uh, camp robber? Is that the No, that camp robber, Jay's. he's a corvid too. Okay. But he's a lot like a... A magpie. a magpie is black and white. Okay. I know somebody who could tell us if that bird existed in Missouri. In yeah. He's, <laughs> he's asleep up in his room right now. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, question. So, so do you change that sequence you're talking about at all for the time of day? I'm playing it at night, guys, and it's working at night. Why? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If you watch my night footage, I'm howling. I'm playing some kind of distress. 
I'm playing pup fights or pup distress. Then I'm playing the big fights. And then I'm doing the pup screams and pup distress three. And I'm killing them at night. I'm killing them in the day. I'm killing them in California. I'm killing them in Vermont. It doesn't matter. And that's just it. I think everybody tries to make this big, big deal out of you got to do this. These eastern coyotes are so much smarter than these western coyotes. They ain't. The only difference is there's a bunch more coyotes in Nevada than there is in Pennsylvania. That's the only difference. And those dogs that get good at living around people are really wise. If they hear a truck door slam, if they hear that gravel road, and then 10 minutes later somebody's they ain't going to come. They're going to sit there in the trees and howl at you. You got to be a little more more woodsmanship. Mm -hmm. Don't squeak those fences. Don't slam those doors. Sneak in there insert yourself into their environment, call them out to where you can see those eyes. And Hey, if you can't kill them at night, are you calling them during the day? Have you ever called during the day in those places? You only night hunt. It might surprise you how many coyotes you could kill during daylight hours. Yeah. Well, that's what, like Nathan mentioned earlier, me and him, we got a depredation tag from a, uh, it was honestly just had no dumb luck uh, dumb luck uh you know we ended up getting permission we're the people that can go hunting at night and so we've gone out there twice now and we we killed a coyote each time but we were using thermals and there was it there's at least six to eight coyotes in the area that we laid our eyes on and on that first night we went out there we killed one we gave it quite a bit of time and we had three come off a big hill and they stayed at the edge of the field and you know the conditions weren't right with the thermals it was really misty and stuff but we could see them out there hard to see them but we we knew they were there they were probably around 280 to 300 yards we didn't want to take that shot just with our thermals you know and we we threw stuff at them i mean we were trying to throw everything at them did is that a situation where you they've been called too much or did we just not play the right stuff? So, do you guys like to fish? Yeah. We, we do fish. I don't do a lot of it yeah. anymore. But yeah. yeah. Have you been out there and there's days you cannot make them bite? Yep. They will not bite. And then did you know that a coyote will go down an area and he will piss on every post? Because that's marking his territory. And if you're on the other side of that territorial boundary, guess what? He will not cross that boundary for no. He knows what's on the other side of that boundary. He will get the crap chewed out of him. So those three coyotes may have come off that hill that was theirs to a boundary that there was not theirs. So it did not matter what you threw at them. They will not cross those boundaries. It's extremely rare. Typically, boundaries are fences, roads, creeks, you know, breaks, wood lines into fields, whatever. There's just boundaries. Those coyotes will not break. I honestly, if you called a coyote and killed him and then you went and did the same thing with those three, but they would not break that 280, 300-yard boundary, chances are you were on the other side of a territorial boundary you did not know about. And how could we know about it? We can't smell it. We can't see it. We don't know. So here you guys beat yourself up over, did we play the right sounds? Did we do the right things? Did we miss it? When the reality of it was, it didn't matter what you guys did, you would not get those coyotes to cross that boundary. 
and it's hard to know where those boundaries are. It was it was fun though because we're sitting there and they're just hanging out, just yeah, looking around, sitting down, getting up. But they would not come any closer. No, we even thought at one and point. I guarantee you that was probably one of those boundaries I'm talking about. It was uh, it was so foggy and it was also snowing. We thought at one point, I bet they can't see us. We should just walk right at them. <laughs> we you thought know? about it. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, we didn't. The best part of that is one of you stay at the unit and keep playing with the sounds and the other guy take off. We, I have seen those boundaries. Me and Garvin – during a, we were calling this coyote's running in, and then at 500 yards, he just stops and sits down. Yeah. Well, he couldn't see us, he couldn't smell us, but he wouldn't come any closer. So we took off. Uh, I stayed at the callers, kept calling. Garvin took off into a ditch, closed the distance to 200 yards, and shot him. Popped out and shot him. And I think that coyote, when we got there, there was a there was another ditch we didn't even see. He wouldn't cross it. So I think it was a territorial boundary, and we had to walk to him and shoot him. Yeah. So, what which about which one you want to ask next? Let's do pressured coyotes. Okay. Coyotes that you know have been called to numerous times by numerous peoples. You obviously don't know what you they were using. More than likely, it's probably some type of predator, you know, prey distress prey or distress. Something, something along those lines. <clears throat> if you know you're walking into an area that has been called. Are you still doing what you what we talked about earlier? Are you going to try something Absolutely, else? because I know nobody else is doing – at least not many people have picked up to what I'm doing. And I don't think even the guys that do it understand why it works so well. Um, when you're hunting pressured coyotes, the biggest part of pressured coyotes is we're lazy. Me and you, we park the truck in the same – dip the same place to hide a truck we walk out onto that public access or that everybody has to if it's a public access and you guys midwest back there in that country everybody accesses public access the same way so they don't want to walk any further than they have to to make that stand so the first good knob first good fence line first opening that's where they call from if I was, and I knew guys had been out there coyote hunting, and to give you an idea, we were in Wyoming hunting a contest, and we park on this hill. It, we parked behind a hill because it was the only hill for miles of all this sagebrush. We look, and there had been a truck there before us that morning. I remember we this were one. We were there about three in the afternoon. <laughs> we go walking around the hill, and there's a blood drag from where they shot a team ahead of us had shot a coyote in front of us and drug a dead coyote back to their truck. And I looked at Garvin. I said, why would we go do this? He said, because they were successful and they weren't here. Let's hope it hasn't been within the last hour. We went around there. I did some diaphragm stuff. I did some stuff that I knew those guys hadn't done. And we called in a pair and killed a pair and drug a pair over a, a, a <laughs> blood trail that another group <laughs> killed a single on. So, and honestly, and you, I think like us. Another question about. Pre- go ahead. No, go ahead, Al. Another question about pressured coyotes is how often can you make that stand? Well, I will make a stand at 8 a.m. And if it's a good stand that's got lots of coyotes, I will go back and make it at 3 p.m. or noon. Because Let's go. Those, <laughs> those coyotes, those coyotes are on a loop. 
That loop can be six miles, 12 miles. It could be 50 miles. But those coyotes are on a loop. And if they're not there in the morning, they probably will be there in the afternoon. If they're not there today, they may be there tomorrow. And sometimes they're on a three to six day loop. It may be a week before they're back on your uncle's farm. So you've just got to play that. And uh, don't let the pressure bother you. Change your setup. Change your approach to it. Mentally, physically walk through the public access and call from the reverse direction with a better wind and a better sun. It may have cost you a mile of boot leather or two miles or three miles of boot leather, but I'll bet you you're coming out heavy with fur in the pack. Well, and I think we have all started thinking about it differently. Maybe I'm wrong speaking for both of you, but where we live, there's more people than than out west, let's say, and absolutely the the parcel higher higher population densities yeah. by far and yeah. the parcels of ground are typically smaller i mean we have larger farms here and there but you know nothing compared nothing to compared to out west again and then we've honestly if if you don't assume that a coyote has been pressured where we're at you're probably lying to yourself because we've learned <laughs> that some of the properties we have uh, uh what do you call it permission on we're not the right. only people with permission and absolutely not because that rancher or that deer grower wants those coyotes dead so yeah. he's letting everybody out there you think you're special and then you find out oh my uncle was out here for thanksgiving and him yeah. and the nephews went out and educated everything on the farm because well they brought their old 30-06 deer rifle and they missed five or six but hey you guys go knock yourself out and you're just <laughs> going oh heck, here yep. we go yep so, i get it for these high-pressured coyotes, honestly, guys, what I do is I go back in the summer with my decoy dogs, and I beat them up with my decoy dogs, and that's just a game-changer for that June, July, and August. You know, mid-May in Kansas and Nebraska and Oklahoma, uh, those pups are hitting the dirt a little sooner in that country. There's just a little more coyote population out there, a little older, mature population of coyotes. Um, I think there's a higher turnover of coyotes in the West. I think a five-year-old coyote out West is an old coyote, where I think a eight, 10, 12-year-old dog in Kansas is normal. I think they got a better diet. Uh, I just think there's more coyotes in some of that country that are just more mature. And uh, probably more. The thing to remember, guys, is too, if you've got 100 uh, you know. coyotes in an area and you kill 75 of those 100 coyotes, the 25 left will get you back to 100 in one pup crop. So yep. <clears throat> they normally have four to six pups, but if it's low density, if there's no other adults and they're not fighting for territory, she can have 12 to 16 puppies. Wow. So we yeah. can't get, that's why we could never get rid of the coyote. We right. never could. We got rid of the wolves once. We're going to have to do it again. We got rid of the grizzly bears to an extent. Um, the black bears, the lions, we trapped them. We, we, we thinned them back so that these cattle ranchers could grow their, sheep and, and cattle but we never got rid of the coyote and the reason we didn't get rid of the coyote is because they're true champions and true survivors absolutely it, it actually makes it makes me giggle the depredation tag we got or when a farmer says i want you to kill them all i always kind of giggle because it's never going to happen yeah like you we might kill for Not this 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 farmer we might kill all 12 all dozen coyotes within you know a half a mile of where their home is but 
by the by this time next year, there's going to be another dozen sitting right there. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh it's one of it's my kind of fun. favorite places in Nevada. There is a guy that grows a bunch of hay, and he will not let you out there to shoot these coyotes because they kill his mice. Because he wants them eating the what's that? Because they kill his mice. Andrew, what was that? Save well, you. it's the pocket gophers. Ah, yeah. So he doesn't want us to kill these coyotes because they're out there eating the pocket gophers. And each one of them pocket gophers eats about three pounds of alfalfa a month and stores it. So he's losing alfalfa to these pocket gophers. He thinks if we kill these coyotes that he's going to have more pocket gophers. So he's, nope, you can't kill my coyotes. The problem is the BLM land butts right up to his fields. (laughs) (laughs) So me and Garvin can sneak along that fence and call all those po- call those coyotes right out there that are they all look like me they're all fat from pocket gophers but the, the landowner can say no but if there's blm public land and i get on my onyx and go right there and, and i can hunt that land i'm gonna do it and boys it's exceptional in some of these areas we talked to a uh, a biologist with missouri department of conversation several years ago now and she said what you said conversation of conversation of conservation oh. sorry <laughs> and uh but it's a conversation with the <laughs> She uh she said something like you would have to wipe out the coyote from the entire landscape of America to have any any bear any not the United States effect. No, North just, America. But then she said even then it wouldn't matter because they just drop down from Canada and come up from Mexico and fill everything back up. They yep. would have to be wiped off an entire continent for you to have an effect on the population. So that's just it, guys. We don't want to affect the population like that. No. The coyote is one of the most wonderful renewable resources available to us as sportsmen. And the problem with these Project Coyote wackos Mm -hmm. that go around and try to end all these contests, and that's they've got $24 million budget, and that's how we lost New Mexico – that's how we lost Arizona. It's why we're losing California, Oregon, all these states is because these whack jobs go out there and pay these guys that are in positions of importance. They give them money to vote against the contest, so the contest dies. But cunning coyotes is a legal activity that they have no right telling us whether we can or can't do it. And it doesn't matter if we think it's fun because it is fun. But it doesn't matter if we say it's fun. And I don't, I don't want to make excuses as to why we coyote hunt. We do it because it's legal. I used to do it strictly for the hides, but then I started making a living. And I like to look at them and say, I put three girls through college, build a house, and I did it all hunting coyotes and elk. So don't tell me I'm doing something wrong. American I made a dream. living doing this. And then they all start, they all start saying the North American wildlife model has become what it's become. And I look at them and I say, the only reason you have a damn North American wildlife model is because guys like you and me went out and killed all those critters that were eating your North American wildlife. If we hadn't have taken on the wolves, if we hadn't have taken on the bears, if we hadn't killed the coyotes, or to a measurable degree, they would not have any wildlife. They would not have any livestock out there if it wasn't for guys that were on the front lines, the wolfers, that were out killing this stuff. So we don't want to kill it all. We just want to manage it. And if you will go out, and here's the thing to remember, guys, and I want everybody that's listening to this, if you will just kill one, two, three coyotes, 
in those areas that you like to whitetail hunt, that you like to turkey hunt, that you like to rabbit hunt, pheasant hunt. I don't care what you like to hunt. If you will just go kill two or three coyotes off that piece of land, you will save those two or three or four fawns that might grow into them bucks that are above you. And if you'll do that, that's all a guy can hope for is that you save that fawn that might otherwise become turds yep. in a coyote's belly. The biggest conservationists are hunters. Can't You can't Every, tell me we're not. You, we pay more money yeah. towards conserva- you know, the conservation of animals, and more of our money goes to the non-game species. Yeah. If these people really gave a crap about helping wildlife, they would buy a license and they would support the local and the state-level DNRs that are doing the groundwork. We all know they actually don't. So, yeah, that's right. why. That's no, why. They, they all drive Bentleys and eat tofu in their fancy restaurants. Yeah. They don't help animals. No. Okay, so we, we've, been, we've had you for an hour. We don't want to take up too much more of your time, but we have two things that we've been dying to ask you, which are kind of putting you on the spot. But I'm no, sure you, do it. you have it. So what are your top five rifle calibers that you like to use for coyotes? No, that's easy. <laughs> I, I, I started I started with a 22-250, and a 220 Swift is right there with it. And then the 243 has become, I mean, just a staple of my coyote fodder. But that 6mm Creedmoor and that 6.5 Creedmoor have really come on. You put that 95-grain VMAX and that Varmint Express load from Hornady out of that Ruger 6.5 Creedmoor, guys, there ain't a coyote walking that can't – the first thing that hits the ground isn't their chin. It's awesome. And that next favorite after the 6.5 Creedmoor is that 6 Creedmoor. Shooting them 87-grain VMAX, waka waka. Then I found some 105 Blacks. Some 108 ELDMs, I just there's it's perfect. That's, <laughs> so that's my that's my top five. Have boys. you got the uh, the chance of trying out? So I have one, and so does Andy. And so far, we have really really liked it. Have you gotten your hands on a six arc yet? Not yet. I'm waiting for Ruger. Yeah, I'm waiting uh, for yeah. my boys at Ruger to make me a six arc. So I want everybody that listens to Missouri Woods and Water podcast, I want you to text Ruger and say, I'm just like Big Al. When is that AR6 arc? Did you see Ruger's making that proof barrel yes. AR15, the 223 wild that'll yep. shoot the 223, the 556, and the 223 wild? I'm going to have one in a couple months here, boys. I'm and telling I'm you. Put it to the that, test. Came, that came out at the shot show, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think they announced it. At the yeah, show. no, they the just had it up, and I, and mine's going to be dipped in cryptic. There you, there you go. go. Nice. Anyway, well, I'm, I'm telling so, you, uh, uh, that six arc for me and Andy. I mean, so it's special shooting 103 grains through it, and I'm running around on an AR-15 platform with 10 rounds that I can shoot semi-automatic, and the gun weighs next to nothing. And it decks coyotes and every time. They are just, I mean, they if it's like a yeah, they get hit with a, a giant punch from Mike Tyson. It's, so it's I over. like the six five Grendel and some buddies neck that down to six millimeter and the the six five Grendel neck down to six millimeter is identical to an arc. 
That's what I really? it was, yeah. Yeah, because I, I was running a 6.5 Grindle there for a while, but I actually – I just got – I bought a 22.250. So I haven't I haven't put my glass on it yet, but uh, – Me and Garv ran 6.5 Grindles for a couple years, but we started losing coyotes with that 123 um, SST. And uh, from zero to 200 yards, it's an amazing gun. But I could ring steel to 500. The problem is at three to 500 yards, that SST slowed down out of that 6.5 Grendel, so it was dime in, dime out, little tiny holes. We were hitting them right behind the front shoulders, and they were running away. Yep. And uh, in those contests, it doesn't count if you hit it. It only counts if it's in the back of the truck, boys. Right. And that's when the 243s and the 6-millimeter Creedmoors got broke out because nothing walks away from them. I'm telling you, you're going to – when when Ruger makes that six arc, I bet you'll love because uh, I've well, Hornet, I've loved Hornet mine so much. Ammo, so I just need yeah. yeah, I just need Ruger to make the gun, dude. There I've I've loved mine so much that I'm thinking about a second one to have a night rig and a day rig. Just absolutely, yeah. and that's and the other thing is when you start shooting the same calibers, your night and day, you start learning those holdovers, and you know night's a whole different game. But now every scope seems to have that, you know range finder in it so that kind of takes the guesswork out and if you can ring steel at 500 at, during the day you can dang sure ring a coyote at 500 at night with the, yep, right. with the scope coming out now at least i can with my agm adder i've, I've gone to agm sponsors and i got that adder 640 and i'm just telling you it's that scope's money for the money it's money well if you think like yeah. i've got and i still love it and i'm still going to use it but i've got a, i just recently got a 22250 in ar10 and Beautiful. I love it. I I absolutely love it. But that gun is double the weight of my six cre or my six arc, and arc. I've got 103 grains versus 55, and yep. you know I've got a gun that weighs twice as much, and I've got six I'm, rounds compared to. I'm pretty to 10. sure that six mm arc was made for coyote hunters. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. And and maybe killing gooks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What uh? What's your second? Question. Next question. Gun to your head. Gun to your head. Gun to your head. Top five <laughs> sounds you're gonna you're gonna do. Well, guys, you just you heard me. I gotta have a single <laughs> lone howl, or I gotta have one of these in my mouth. That's my number one. Number two, I'm gonna play a cottontail. Cottontails are universal across the country. I don't care whether you give me KG cottontail, Mrs. McCottontail. I'm going to take one of those good Fox Pro Cottontails and run it. Um, the third sound is a pup screams or pup distress three or a pup, you know, kai out of this diaphragm. That's my third number sound. And then I just can't reproduce the fights, guys. Since joining up with MFK and getting that Den Mayhem sound here about a year, year and two months ago, we come out with that that group fight. Um, th that's all a guy needs is a single lone howl, a great distress, a pup, you know, a pup fight, pup distress, pup scream, something like that, into a group fight, into those single that, that pup distress three. I don't leave a stand without playing that pup distress three, and uh, those five sounds. Playing 365, 24-7, day, night. You haven't heard anybody else tell you this. And I'm just telling you, if you watch, if you watch all the big names, if you watch what they do, 
They're not doing anything different than Al Morris. They, they'll say they're doing other different things, but at the end of the day, they're doing the exact same things. Anybody can go out and push the button and play rabbit, and you're going to kill coyotes, but you're not going to kill as many coyotes as if you'll go out there, talk to them, then introduce some kind of distress, then introduce some kind of pup, then introduce a group fight, and then do that territorial distress stuff. And I promise you guys, universally across across the board, your coyote killing persona is going to go up. Your confidence will go up. People will start talking about you. They'll start saying, damn, that Micah is a coyote killing mofo. <laughs> and it's because he, he learned what he's doing. They already call him a mofo, so they could add coyote <laughs> killing. No, you just add coyote killing from him. Yeah. No, you, you are some good old boys from Missouri. It's absolute pleasure to talk with you i think we need to have round two we need to come into a spring summer deal Absolutely. when you guys slow down a little after this winter we'll start talking about the exact way to attack these summertime den and coyotes and get rid of some of these deer eaters about that june 1st when your fawns are hitting the ground that's when you boys can really interject yourselves into this country and that you like to hunt these whitetails and turkeys in and really do some damage that will help your whitetail deer populations That'd be perfect because we've been, you know, we've been slowly getting into the summer game too as far as chasing them. Usually, you know, when no, we first started and, out, it was just a time, something to kill time. But uh, after and I know deer I'm season, preaching to the, but I'm preaching to the choir, but we all row the same boat. I don't care whether he's a traditional archer, whether he likes his compound. I don't care whether he's a flintlock guy or he's got the 209 primer in his muzzleloader. I don't care if he shoots a rifle. I don't care if he wants to stick him with an atlatl. I don't care if he wants to spear him. We all row the same boat. And that's what's awesome is I get to talk to some rednecks from Missouri that ain't no different from this boy from Utah. <laughs> and we all row the same boat. And we just got to remember that, that together we are powerful. That's what them boys in Washington don't want us to, to communicate much because we'll go to Washington and reset this whole country because these rednecks – We'll go out there. We got thermal. We got all this equipment. We can go shut this government down tomorrow. If they think January 6th was a big deal, wait till we wait till the rednecks and the coyote hunters show up with our stuff. We'll, That's yeah, true. We'll turn this country around, boys. But uh, Tell us we all the same somewhere. Boat. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're just hunting coyotes. They're just a different kind. Yeah, that's right. Um, we're, we all roll the same boat, and we, we got to work together on all this. And that's why this – what you're doing, boys – getting more information out there for the general guys to listen to. And I hope everybody takes a bit of this information, goes out and becomes more successful. Yeah. Just like you guys. I'll tell you what. You got an open invitation from the three of us Missouri guys to come get your first Missouri dog. Anytime. Anytime you want with us. Where's home? Where's home? We're about an hour east of Kansas City. All you got to do is fly into Kansas City and you're out here in an hour. Well, that's got to be some good country. It's not bad. It's we not got bad. A few. We can get we got, you. We can get you on some dogs. We got the spots. You just we you just come out. Dogs. Let's hunt. I bet we could even. How far from Iowa border are you? Uh, about three hours. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, that that means we got three hours to hunt until we hit Iowa. That's yeah, right. and I got start there too. And he's got some and spots up. North. I got north spots. So we got we got plenty <laughs> of spots for you. We can hunt our way there. <laughs> so shortly, you got one more question that's going to make the break the deal here. What What do you got for me, Andy? What do you want, Nate? I asked all mine. Yeah. Well, I think you guys had another one. What? Oh, the wind one? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I do have one more. 
then then we'll I guess we can end it after. But uh, okay, all right. Obviously, we know a coyote's nose isn't going to be beat. Okay, ever. Do, what do you prefer to set up when when it comes to wind? What is your preference? Do you like to be perfectly you know down or I guess downwind from the coyotes? This is a great question, guys, because I used to be all freaked out. I only thought that if the wind was in my face and I had all this to see, that was perfect. And now I don't care. I really don't care if. Where's a coyote going to end up? Almost every time. Downwind. Downwind. Can you see downwind? If you can't see downwind, you better not set up there. Because he will end up there. So set up with a crosswind that may be blown out into the field and make him poke out of that fence row out in front of you. A crosswind, a head-on wind. I will I will set up. I don't even film it now. I used the wind. Was, I was so anal. I would puff, 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 and if it wasn't perfect, I would try and make it perfect. And guess what? You can drive yourself bonkers. Forget the wind. That ain't no shit. Just hunt where you learn where the coyotes are. And that's the one thing we didn't talk about much, boys, is I won't hunt unless I know which block those coyotes are in and when they're there. And so I didn't win four world championships by just being lucky. Me and Garvin won those four world championships because we knew exactly where those coyotes were. One night we would howl at dark. As soon as it got dark, we were howling. We would go back to the same run and howl about midnight. And then the next day we would go about 3 a.m. and howl the same trail. And I could get to hear this same. You start to hear individuals and you can start to pattern where they like to be at night. And then you can kind of pattern that during the day, too. You know he's there at night. He's here during the – he hunts out here at night. And then he's coming up into these hills to bed down. Or he's coming into this woodlot to bed during the day. Coyotes like to hang out where they can run around naked. Now, what does that mean? When you can run around naked and nobody sees you, that's where the coyote wants to be, and that's where they're going to be during the day. Yep, makes a lot of sense. I like to run around naked, too. (laughs) Yep, wind doesn't matter. Just make it so if it's bad, you can see where it's bad. If it's good, let it eat, because if he comes out, you're going to kill him. Put a river, put a road, put a barn, put something you don't care about. You don't care what comes behind you because you can't kill it anyway. It's in it's in somebody's house. It's in a lake. You, you're not going to go into the lake. <coughs> don't worry about the wind. Just hunt. Does that make more sense? Ooh, I oh, like yeah. that. I yep. like it. I like that a lot. Like I'm glad that. I asked that one now. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. <laughs> I am too. Is there anything nope. that you want to tell us? Is anything big coming from Fox Pro or anything you want to shed light well, on? Well, you know, we got the new callers coming, but that's not till July, so we won't make too big a deal out of it. Um, we're always, I'm, we're I'm the going innovator. to because yeah. Andy <laughs> thought he had a one-up on me, which he still kind of does. <clears throat> so he, he just got lucky at one of our recent tournaments, and he won an X-24. Excellent. Yep. Well, we sent him pictures of the new X-48 coming out that uh, we saw at the ATA, yeah. and we're like, ha-ha, <laughs> I'm going to wait till July for this thing to come out. <laughs> yeah. Twice as good. 
Well, which, you know how which, by the way, the X24 game. is still badass. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I'm just telling you, the X24 is the best color I've ever powered on, bar none. And uh, I think the X48 is going to be twice as good. But that's really saying something. Until I get it in my hands, until I see the coyotes react. Yeah. Um. All I can tell you is every coyote that's come to that speaker has tried to put his face in that X24. So, Andy, you're in good shape. You're gonna, your grandkids are going to be using that unit to kill coyotes with, I promise you. Yep. And that's the difference between us and everybody else is those Chinese-made collars. They may have great sounds on them. I can't say anything bad about the sounds, but I can tell you that X24 is going to last five to ten times as long. And if something ever goes bad, just send it to the boys in Pennsylvania. They got the ultimate set of tools. They can fix anything. So, um, at the end of the day – uh, the American-made Fox Pros are the way to go. And, uh, I mean, I make a living doing this. I work for them. Of course, I'm going to tout it. But at the end of the day, I'm really proud to work for a company that's American-made by hardworking Americans and uh, just kind of fits, doesn't it? Yep, that's true. That's true. There was three three Morris that signed the Declaration of Independence, and I'm related to all three, so I got a little bit of shit in me, boys. Nice. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Well, uh, if you if you boys don't have anything else, where well, can they find some uh, oh, some yeah. footage of you, Al? Tell tell our listeners where they can see us. We see got us the we we were on the Outdoor Channel for eight years, nine years, something like that. We've got it all on YouTube. You can go to Fox Pro Fur Takers. That's the old uh, Outdoor Channel footage. Uh, we now do Fox Pro Hunting TV on Amazon, YouTube, um, Roku, uh, Carbon TV. Um, you can see us. And honestly, guys, in this world where you can pull me up and watch, I- I've done this most of my adult life. Uh, before that, I was doing Operation Predator series when I worked for Hunter Specialties. I drove that green and yellow truck around like Eddie Salter did. Then, boy, so you can even dig up some of those old DVDs. But it- it's taken me all these years to figure out I was doing the same thing year round. I was just changing the, the time frame. Mm-hmm. I changed the sequence up. Like in November, December, I played Distress for 10 minutes where I only play it a couple minutes now. And then I do a little less of the vocalizations, some of the harder vocalizations, but more of the pup distress during the summer. And uh, they still got to eat. They got to eat year round. So just use those scenarios, change up the amount of time, be more successful and get on Fox Pro Hunting TV and you can watch the big guy do his thing. You'll get to see guys like – this is why I love watching Fox Pro. You get to see guys like Big Al and one of my one of my all time favorites as well. Another one, John Collins. Um, Collins. You know, there's a lot Abner of Abner Drunken Miller, Mike. Yep. You know, Terry. That, Cook, the co- yep. Not only do they own the company, they luck to coyote hunt, and that's Mike Dillon and Zach Dillon, Steve Dillon. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it's a it, it true it's a true family uh, uh, success story in America. You know, he made one for his son. The neighbor said, I'd like one of those units. Then the neighbor's brother said, I want one. And then his wife said two years later, she wanted her garage back. So Fox <laughs> Pro was born, uh, you know, started in a garage. And now it's a, a, a multi-million dollar company that's uh, making the finest electronic collars on the planet. And we do it for guys like you to go out, push a button and be successful. I wish it was that simple, but uh, the more education, the more information, Information we get out there with you boys the more you listen and and uh boys i don't know how we're gonna make this happen but i am coming to missouri and we're gonna sit our butts down on a stand and we're gonna do this we'll, deal. we'll figure it. that out and then we afterwards can. we'll record another show about your first missouri dog that's for sure yeah 
Well, and more important than that, maybe you'll come west and I can show you some of what I know out here. Yep. I love it. Yep. 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 I like I it. I love it. You don't need to talk to us anymore. <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, Big right, Al boys. Morris, we appreciate your time tonight, and thanks for coming on. It's my pleasure, guys, and, and uh, just keep getting the word out there. Missouri woods and water. Booyah. <laughs>